Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 280 of the Fun with Cars, Formula One, and other motorsports podcast, or episode 14 of 2021, which means this is double of what we did last year. I'm Robin Warner, and today I'm joined by the man that is much better at reading the calendar than I am, Chris Baroche. Hi, Chris. Robin, how the devil are you? <laughs> I think asking the devil is probably the best way to answer that. I, I, am, I am doing well, and yourself? I'm excited to talk about a form of motorsport that's not Formula One. Yes, yes, it does exist. It is Monday afternoon, April 12th. Chris and I are going to talk about the upcoming IndyCar racing season and what we might expect. Chris, do you have any place you want to start? Well, I can tell you it's going to be a longer season than last year. We're going to have more races over yeah, a longer period true. of time. That's so true. That's positive, yeah. Although it's a fairly condensed schedule, it doesn't start until the middle of April, and yet it still ends before the end of September. Yeah, it is quite a compact uh, calendar, but certainly a lot longer than last year, which ran... What, from June, I think, the first race? Yeah, was middle of June, year. maybe early yeah. June, yeah. Yeah, so uh, and so we get an extra three races this year and uh, a more traditional mix. So we've got more road and street courses uh, versus ovals. Uh, whereas last year, it was almost 50-50, but this year is back to sort of a 75-25 split. Yeah, and that is the result of things like the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix um, being cancelled, and that was two uh, road course, well, I'm sorry, street course races canceled just in one weekend and things like that. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit easier uh, to get the ovals going, I suppose, for whatever reason. Maybe it was location of the ovals, uh, just being, generally speaking, less population, population-dense areas, uh, all, all those things. But either way, we are racing, and the first race will be it in a road course and a really nice road course actually a place i've gone a few times called birmingham motorsports park in alabama and it's not the best racetrack in terms of seeing big speeds from the cars but it's a nice balance of corners that gives a variety and and indy car traditionally puts on a good show and then we do have the indy 500 in the month of may again and i'm looking forward to that as well yeah and i was just reading that there's uh good possibility of there being crowds for the Indy 500 this year, which is which is great news. It is good news, and hopefully those crowds are healthy people that stay healthy after the fact. I have, I'll tell you what has been a very linear graph, and that is my paranoia about this pandemic has just been a steady stream upward from the beginning <laughs> to now. And, and I am very happy to blame... Uh, what I blame much of this world uh, for, which is the UK. First of all, wow, ice, here we go. <laughs> yeah. First of all, iced tea is great, uh -huh. and the UK needs to open their eyes and their taste buds. Second of all, and their ice chest. Third, second of all, um, uh, the UK variant has me super spooked, and uh, I would. I just. I. I learned that apparently. It's called the Kent variant in the UK. So should we just should I narrow my focus and just blame Kent for all of this? Well, it's funny how the naming conventions work with COVID, isn't it? Because it gets named after the first place to discover it. Uh -huh. So you have the South African variant, the Brazilian variant, the UK variant or Kent variant. Uh, it's just because it was first detected there. 
Yeah. Um, and what I've read is that these variants would have occurred in other places on their own anyway. It's not necessarily that it had to be transmitted. So, yeah, the UK variant, it would have happened anyway. And then but, you could have called it the, you know, Southeast Michigan variant. But if uh, the UK had more fully embraced iced tea, it'd be a much happier place and people would be more likely to get along and cooperate with each other and the disease wouldn't spread and we wouldn't have any kind of variant in the first place. I blame the lack of iced tea in the UK. That is the root cause of all of this. I mean, just to keep on that point for a second, if yeah, you sure. think about Michigan and some of the fascinating place names we have around here, we could have the hell variant or the climax variant if we get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Uh, we, we, have, we, have, uh, we have climax Michigan where you can then go to hell but then after a while, you can find make your way um, to paradise. Or maybe, do I have that backwards? You uh, you go to Climax, Michigan, and quickly see paradise, but then you have to go to hell. Is that the way? There you go. All towns in Michigan, we are, we are just talking about uh, geography here, everybody. Exactly. Exactly right. But we also have... Uh, we also have Frankenmuth, Michigan. We have Birmingham, Michigan. We have we have a lot of um, uh, all of Europe right in this lovely little state, don't we? We do indeed. So um, should we move on to drivers quickly? Oh, there's well, been why? quite a lot of quite a lot of driver change activity for this season, and there's a few names that I'm very excited about. Actually, well, I definitely wanted to start with Romain Grosjean. I'm curious where your where your head was. Yeah, um, it, there is a there is a certain Formula One theme to Dale Coyne's uh, uh, one of their race cars with Grosjean doing the road and street uh, tracks and and Pietro Fittipaldi taking the car for the ovals. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how those two get on. Do you yeah. think they'll get through one chassis for the whole season? <laughs> <laughs> a few repairs? I'd be shocked if they got through one chassis for the whole weekend. I mean, look, I I'm actually I, this is a total non-important point, but I, I have to say that I'm abundantly curious if um, Sebastian Bourdais and Rogain Gromain, Gromain, uh, <laughs> Grosjean get on because they have such a similar history in so many ways. Uh, Bourdais is different in the fact, in the sense that he started in IndyCar, had success, went over to Formula One and came back. But, and then, I, you know, but, then I'm not actually see I say that and I think Bourdais is a full time IMSA driver now. So No, no, he's back for this season. Ah, he's back that's at right. AJ Foyt. Yeah. That's what it is. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder. Yes. You're better you're better I'll I'll add that to your things you're better at than me. Calendars and remembering things. But uh yeah, so I'm gonna be I'm quite curious to see how uh the two Frenchmen with Formula One experience talk to each other. And indeed if uh, Simon Paginode has some fun little quips for them every once in a while, be like, yeah, I have, I'll have. i just stick with my sports car and any car experience because I'm a champion in motorsport at a great motorsport series and you guys are not. So I don't know. Although Bourdais is as well. So. Yeah, Bourdais had quite a run in Indy cars at one point and he couldn't stop, stop winning at one stage. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, that was quite a while ago though. You'll have to remind me, what, what are we back into the noughties? I believe being... it was 2004 through 2007 because yeah. I think it was the year after Paul Tracy won his IndyCar championship in 03 and DeFerrin, Jill DeFerrin won in, I, I don't know if it was back-to-back, but it was one of them was in 2002. So, yeah, uh, that sounds about right. This is after Montoya, of course, had left for Formula One and, after he dominated at the end of the last century. In early, and Montoya early won the championship in 99. 
Mm-hmm. And he did so. It was a tied. He tied points with, I believe, Dario Franchitti, but he had the edge because he had more race wins or more podiums or something. So that was a that was an epic season. But we are not here to talk about IndyCar history. Um, what other drivers are uh, interesting you? Well, we got Jimmy Johnson coming to do road and street races uh, for Chip Ganassi, so he'll have a decent car. He's, he's sharing that with uh, Tony Kadan, who'll be uh, doing the ovals. So mm-hmm. that's quite an exciting combination. Absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, one of my favourite drivers of all time, actually, uh, racing for Arrow McLaren at the Indy 500 this year. And Helio Castroneves, another another name that doesn't really need much introduction, um, doing six races with uh, the Meyer Shank team. So, I mean, that's a that's a pretty exciting list of names just in itself. Yeah, no, and the Elio Castroneves is I I I've been fortunate to speak with Elio a few times, and and we've confirmed it's Elio Castroneves. Oh, thank you for the correction. I'll, um, but, I'll get it right when I speak to him. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next time you chat, uh, but. Yeah, no, he's a fantastic personality, a great race car driver, and I know that he was never emotionally, he was never fully committed to IMSA. He His first love has always been the Formula car, so I'm very happy that he gets time back in the cars. And yeah, I'm extremely interested to see how Jimmy Johnson fares because, you know, even just you and I have spoken about him already, his turn in um, sports cars in IMSA. Uh, he was at the 24 Hours of Daytona and at the 12 Hours of Sebring. And it's been kind of a checkered start to non-NASCAR vehicles that he's been racing. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets along, gets on. Yeah, but I mean, after so much success in NASCAR, you'd be surprised if he doesn't find a way to become competitive sooner or later in IndyCars if he sticks at it. Yeah, but you're absolutely right about Montoya. He's a fantastically quick guy and... He's also with the Arrows McLaren team, which is uh, a team that I certainly want to keep my eye on just to see how McLaren as an entity does in uh, its various forms of motorsport. They definitely seem to be in an upward swing in Formula One and their road cars aren't so shabby. So I'm quite curious to see how their IndyCar uh, season goes this time because they've had a bit of a lump bumpy start with you know, Alonso not even making the grid for the Indy 500 a few years back, things like that. I think you have created a new team, though, because my understanding is it's Arrow McLaren, whereas Arrow's McLaren would be some sort of hybrid former footwork Arrow's team from <laughs> Formula One and, and McLaren, which is a whole other thing. I, I feel like you can just add the letter S to most anything, and it's, it's, it's means the same. Uh, okay. And I, and I believe all the Juan Pablo Montoyas would agree with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, it's also uh, it's going to be fascinating to see um, because IndyCar and Formula One actually have a lot of parallels in the sense that there's a lot of interesting rookies to look at. Some young, some not so young. But we also have our Lewis Hamilton of sorts in Scott Dixon, whom his six won six championships has no interest in slowing down and gunning for his seventh this year. And uh, he's been committed. He's been with the Ganassi team. I think this will be his 19th season with the Ganassi team. And um, this is per- this is an interesting perspective on Scott Dixon. Um, he won his first championship when he was racing um, Brian Herta. He won his most recent championship when he was racing Brian Herta's son, Colton. So... <laughs> That's that's how long he's been in the sport and how long he's been fast in the sport. 
Yes, six championships, mighty impressive. Only 49 wins, though, so the Hamilton comparison is probably a little bit premature. Fair, <laughs> fair, although that would then open up an iced tea debate kind of uh, faucet for me because of the variety of winners we have in IndyCar, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of objective numbers, you're absolutely right. I am not trying to say that, and uh, Dixon has taken longer to get his championships, but Dixon is always the person that everyone else is looking for. Now, you do have formidable opponent opponents, certainly, in, there's a lot of champions in this field, including Joseph Newgarden, Juan Pablo Montoya, Sebastian Bourdais, and several others, but Dixon is always the guy everyone else is looking at. Yeah, I mean, I, I took a look back at last season to to uh, refresh my memory a little bit. I was a bit surprised how biased the wins were to the Ganassi-Pensk uh, operations. I mean, Andretti only won uh, one race last year. And of course, Rahel uh, Letterman-Lanigan won the Indy 500. But basically, Ganassi and Penske dominated the, the season, really, in terms of win count. And uh, that was mostly split between Dixon and Newgarden. And... Yep. You kind of wonder if if we're going to see a bit of uh, Andretti fight back this year, and maybe we get the likes of uh, Rossi or Hunter Ray, you know, back at back at the front of the grid and making some wins or more wins this year. Well, Rossi was a formidable opponent in 2019, and I think that it's quite fair to say that he had a disappointing season last year. Rossi was uh, a front runner to be a Penske driver for uh, either 2019 or 2020. And he turned it down. He decided to stick with Andretti, but he was given an offer to join Penske. And I'm sure there were moments last year that he was regretting that decision. But I'm sure that Andretti Autosport is going to want to return to being part of the big winning team status. Uh, and Rossi will be the leader of that pack. Also, uh, Ray Hall Letterman... It'll be interesting to see if Takuma Sato can uh, win um, on a road course again because he's been he's been quite formidable. He's still been winning races, but he's been stronger on the ovals more recently. Right, and uh, and Graham Rahal's had his moments as well. Right, so um, you know that's another sort of team that you know in the past used to dominate IndyCar. Whether or not they can sort of get back to those former winning ways, um, other than the odd uh, Indy 500 win here or there, I think the um, the, the interesting thing is, obviously, you've got a little bit of a, uh, a change in strategy by some of the bigger teams. So you've got Penske going to run four cars for all races this year with the rookie McCoughlin coming in to drive. Uh, he had one race last year, but uh, is doing the full calendar this, this season. Right. And then you've got Ganassi running four cars with, uh, as I mentioned, the, G the Jimmy Johnson Canan split uh, car uh, being the fourth added. So the bigger teams seem to just keep getting stronger. Uh, we've lost Dragon Speed uh, for this year. Uh, Maya Shank is going up to a two-car team. Uh, and we also have uh, Peretta Autosport joining the fray for the Indy 500, which is uh, for Simona Di Silvestro. Yep, you, that's right. You can say that name a little bit better, Di Silvestro. Um, and she's going to be uh, <laughs> the first to have an all-female crew as well. So it's a very interesting uh, entry. Well, that is – so I knew – I thought it was going to include female crew, not be all-female or maybe majority female crew. But either way, it's, it's, yeah. it's a good example of the conversation that you and I had with Rob Holland earlier this year about 
diversity in motorsport. And obviously with Rob, we were talking a little bit more about ethnicity and race, but gender as well is another aspect of that. And certainly wheels and tires aren't light, but in this modern day, there's no reason why a female crew couldn't be just as competitive as a male crew. And it's nice to see that that concept of being involved in motorsport is expanding more because I definitely think that this is a high tide that rises all ships in the sense that if it just makes motorsport more interesting to more people and more popular, then then we get better motorsport as a result to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, over the weekend, uh, the female won a very big horse race for the first time ever in the UK, the, the Grand National. So uh, wouldn't that be a headline if Simona was able to to win the whole thing that would be fantastic absolutely so in terms of the IndyCar schedule what is the race that you're most most looking forward to I mean the Indy 500 is kind of an obvious answer and if that is your answer that's entirely fair but I was curious if there's any other races on the schedule that stand out to you yeah I I mean I must admit I I do there's a couple of tracks I'm very partial to I've raced at Road America and Mid-Ohio myself so I always enjoy watching those those races well and they're great racetracks I have also done and they're fantastic racetracks and then I've never raced at Laguna but I love to (laughs) that is what (laughs) I'd absolutely uh, would would bite someone's hand off to to get a chance to run anything around there I mean I've done it on on you know various game consoles but uh, but that's those are the three that are always the highlights for me on the IndyCar calendar to be honest well, you're absolutely right, and Laguna Seca is also uh, new. They're, they they have been off the calendar for a while, so the fact that they are back on the calendar really is exciting for me, uh, you know, to, that they've recently been back, and I'm, I'm quite happy that uh, proper top-level formula cars are racing around that circuit again because it is a uniquely suited place just tons and tons of natural elevation and uh, interesting corner layout as a result and also it's not a terribly long track but you know it's you know 2.2 miles somewhere around there and they're lapping they're lapping 2.2 miles in not much more than a minute it is a very fast place and uh, quite exciting to watch and then we'll we'll have to give a shout out to Belle Isle and the Detroit Grand Prix I mean that's obviously uh a favorite for us Michiganders. It's the easiest track to get to. It's always fun to go to. And uh, I mean, although the, it's very hard to pass at that track, uh, it's usually pretty entertaining when you're at, at, uh, at the circuit and watching live IndyCar racing. So definitely that's another highlight. Yeah, and that one's, you know, deceptively quick. You wouldn't look at it and think so, but they actually, they can hustle around that place. I don't think it takes them that much more than a minute around the streets of Belle Isle either. And what's interesting about that circuit, thank you for bringing it up, is it's totally flat. I'm Not only are we in southeast Michigan, it's quite literally on an island and a small island at that. So it's very, very flat. But you have interesting corners, the track is fairly narrow, and you have different pavement um, surfaces. So you, you have concrete in some places, asphalt in others. And parts of the concrete are actually quite bumpy. So um, you have weird cambers, you have bumpy pavement, you have different types of pavement. So it is, uh, it's like our own little Sebring of sorts and can be punishing to a race car and mentally challenging to a race driver. So 
there are a lot of really interesting things that happen at the Belle Isle race. And uh, that's a place where I'm quite certain that Elio Castroneves will be quite happy to be racing at again because that was where he had his very first win, and that was in the year 2000. And I remember that one because I was there, and I saw it, and I saw that was when he started that tradition of climbing the fence. That was something he did just impromptu there and uh, just became a tradition of his. Yeah, and oftentimes, if you've ever spectated at Belle Isle, you have to climb the fence to get out. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the cues to get out, because it's on an island, are quite interesting. So a uh, quick tip there for anyone who's planning to visit. Yeah, well, the, it, uh, is, it is one bridge. In, it is right. one bridge on and off the island. So unless you have a boat, you know, well, you, and you can't go patient. Even if you have your own boat, you've got to be careful where you go because you can cross an international border if you, if you stray, stray too true. far across the Detroit River. Anyway, I digress. Uh, the other th- thing that I was uh, interested in was looking at the, the powertrain battle. Obviously, everyone will be running the Delara chassis, same one as last season. Yes. But the, the Chevy Honda battle um, was a bit lopsided last year, especially on some of the power tracks like the Ovals. And uh, I was just looking at the Indy 500 testing uh, times and, and comments that have come out from the, the two-day test that was run over April 9th and 10th. And it looks like Chevy may have made a, a few improvements, certainly on the power stakes, um, and um, because actually New Garden was quickest uh, and Montoya was third quickest, both running the Chevy engine. And I guess they were quite limited both in power and fuel economy at the Indy 500 last year, which hampered Chevy, the, the Chevy team's efforts. Um, and it looks like some progress has been made to maybe get uh, a le- more level playing field for this year, which is which is good. Yeah, yeah absolutely agree. Um, and it'd be interesting because their uh, IndyCar is also in this you know fierce battle to try to get a third, or obviously more would be welcome, engine manufacturer to compete uh, in IndyCar. So it's not just Honda and Chevrolet and making that more attractive to them and. IndyCar, now I don't remember if it's, uh, I think it's going to be for next year, but it might have been delayed one year because of the pandemic. Uh, IndyCar is going to get a power boost. Um, You know, instead of there or there about 750 horsepower, they're going to go to more like 900. And they're also going to have a hybrid system. And I think this hybrid system is going to be a little bit closer to the old school Kurs that Formula One used not like Mm -hmm. the Formula One hybrid era we have now. But it's going to be interesting to see how IndyCar adapts to hybrid technology and how they use it as a racing entity versus what we've seen in Formula One and also in WEC. Right, yeah. I mean, you're right. I think there was going to be a new chassis and engine regulations coming in for this year, but that got delayed by uh, similar to the Formula One situation where because of the pandemic, they they delayed it for its entry for one season. That's right. So it's pretty much the same as, as you were last year, but obviously some tweaks can still have been made for this season. So so how about predictions then? Who do, who do you see as a favorite? You're obviously a, a fan of Mr. Dixon. Do you think he's going to win his seventh this, this year? I think that he's the favorite too, and I think his most formidable opponent will again be uh, Joseph Newgarden. However, that would not be the case if uh, Andretti Autosport do indeed have a better package this year because I think Rossi, Alexander Rossi, will be quite hungry to uh, start winning races again and be a championship contender. All that said, you know, there are enough rookies here that it, it could be interesting to see who throws uh, what sticks into what gears and uh, 
shakes things up, you know, because we have guys running just the ovals, just the road courses. That, by virtue, they can't be championship contenders so much, but they can certainly undo other people's championship chances unwittingly. So uh, that's going to be the big curveball here. I mean, a couple of drivers that I would also highlight, I mean, Will Power has been very strong over the last few years. It would be surprising not to see him in the mix. And then uh, for McLaren or Arrow McLaren, uh, Patricia Ward uh, was very strong at some races last year. So it'd be interesting to see if he could put a championship uh, run together. Um, interesting thing about uh, Award, his name is actually also pronounced Elio. So. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, when I see that name, I always think he's Irish. And he's not. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, in terms of Team Penske, uh, you can't count out Simon Paginode. He's one of those guys, he's a little bit hot and cold, but when he's hot, he's quite, quite good. And he's been with the team for quite a few years now, knows the intricacies of the team and the sport, and I think he, he could be a surprise contender. And then we have some rookies that uh, could be formidable, and we should keep our eye out, um, you know, I'm thinking, again, of Penske's uh, Scott McLaughlin, because he was a, a V8 supercar, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. so yeah, He's got quite a, quite a reputation, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting season to watch. You know, we have, like I said, it's a condensed schedule. So we have a race coming up this weekend, the same as the next Formula One race in Imola. But then the following weekend and the weekend after that, there's more racing going on. And then, uh, then there's a week off, and then we get into the month of May. Two races there, one on the road course, then the Indianapolis 500. And then the middle of June, we have the double Grand Prix, Grand Prix huh, the double race weekend in Detroit. But then June isn't done because there's also an, another race on the 20th. And then July, there's two races. August sees three races, and September sees three races. So there's going to be... Uh, just a few weekends off once IndyCar gets going. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the only gap, sizable gap, is between Toronto on the 11th of July and Nashville on the 8th of August. Otherwise, it's a very, very busy uh, season indeed. I agree. And it's going to be something that is always going to take a back seat to Formula One. Well, I say always. The Indianapolis 500 uh, may not, but uh, that's also Monaco. So we'll see how that plays out. Maybe that'll be a megapod. But... It's, it's going to take a back seat to Formula One, but it's something I'm going to be endeavoring to cover. Whenever Chris is available, he's going to be very, very welcome to join me. But we might also get Jonathan Gitlin on or a few others to see. And I'm also working with, I'm working on getting some interviews um, with some folks in IndyCar, including some drivers. So hopefully we'll get to st- speak to some of these guys directly. Yeah, it should be an exciting season. As you said, very busy um, with, the four, with just the four oval uh, races, um, it's definitely biased for those that are on the street and road course uh, end of the spectrum. But, Which suits uh, us fine, frankly. I mean, I mean interestingly enough, I, you know, I didn't realize that Dixon had won the first three races last season, which basically, you know, he just uh, hopped straight into a, a big advantage uh, straight off the bat and then managed to hold it. So, you know, hopefully no one runs away with the first three entries this season and we have a closer championship fight throughout the, uh, the year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, I think that what we have in store for us is a fantastic season of racing, just generally speaking, 
Formula One looks ready to deliver a fantastic season for us. Um, we're ha- going to have some really interesting things. I mean, even just the 24 hours of a Le Mans alone, that being rescheduled and everything going on there with the end of these uh, hyper, whatever they're called now, but the the current hybrid cars that they use now and entering into the LMDH versus the LMH cars in the future and all these different things going on. IMSA has been delivering great races. We have uh, Watkins Glen coming up not too long from now. And of course they're going to go to mid Ohio soon. So we have a lot of fantastic racing coming up very soon. We are officially in the thick of it. And as always, formula one will lead the way, but I want to thank you for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcasts. And in that vein, I have updated our little description in uh, Apple Podcasts and all those other places. So please, please, please do leave a comment and rate us on those platforms. That will help us out tremendously. And read my updated thing and tell me all the mistakes I've made. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com. Tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. And check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars. And also, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash c slash Robin Warner. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Robin. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. <laughs>